I have entitled my message this morning, No Longer Divided, because that's, that's kind of my goal, my dream, if you will, and that sounds easy, but as we know, in our society, we really like groups. We, we really like to divide people into different groups, and, and we'll use anything we can to do that, and uh, I, I think I can probably do that here this morning, so play along with me if you would. Um, I'm going to give you some options. I want you to raise your hand if you would. So starting out first, raise your right hand if you ever, if you, when you drink, is it pop that you drink? Raise your right hand. Or is it soda? Raise your left hand. Pop or soda? All right, okay. How about, how about bacon? Right hand, crispy bacon? Right hand? Or bacon the way God created it to be, floppy bacon? Exactly. Not that you can tell where I stand on this at all. Um, how, about, how about some important ones like blue cheese with your chicken wings? Or dare I even say it, ranch with your chicken wings? Oh, man. Um, how, about, how about this one? Your truck. Ford, right hand. Chevy, left hand. Or if, you're, if you drive a Dodge, you can do both hands. I know those Dodge guys, they often struggle with their right and their left anyway, so we'll make it easy on them. Um, how about this? Bills fan, right hand. Patriots fan or, or other, other team. Or if you're like me and you don't really care about football, you're just waiting for hockey to start. How about, how about Dancing with the Stars or American Idol? Neither. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, the other important one, right hand for iPhone, left hand for Android. There's some, some competition there, isn't there? These are fun groups. We can laugh about these groups because really in the big scheme of things, they really aren't that important, Right? Sometimes, though, we have other groups. Other groups that we put people in that maybe are a big deal, or, or maybe they're still not a big deal, but we make them a big deal. We'll put, things into, put people into groups that, that maybe are a little more tension. So, so don't, you don't have to raise your hands for these, but um, sometimes we'll divide people into groups by black or white, or some other color of your skin. Or maybe we'll divide people into groups by pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, pro-life, pro-choice, or Democrat over here, Republican over here. We love to divide people into groups, don't we? And not only that, we love to wall off the people that we don't agree with. If I'm in this group over here, then I kind of make this imaginary wall because, you know, I can't be with these people over here. We love to, to set up a dividing wall between us. We're not the only ones that do that. We're going to continue our study in Ephesians this week, and actually we're going to continue on in chapter 2 where Pastor Jeremy had started last week. So we're going to see, look at two different groups that, um, today in Ephesians. 
And let me tell you, these groups were not just like Bills fans and Patriots fans who harass each other in, in what I hope is just good fun. No, these people were hostile towards each other. I mean, they hated each other. They could not stand each other. You know what? Maybe on second thought, they were like Bills fans and Patriots fans. <laughs> but let's take, a, let's take a look at the beginning of this passage, and, and you're going to see what I mean. You can turn along in your Bibles in your pew or your, or your own, or you can follow along on the screen. We're going to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. So starting in verse 11, it says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So the Jews and the Gentiles are the two groups we're talking about here. And they could not be more different. <laughs> they could not be more opposed to each other. For one thing, the groups are known as the uncircumcision and the circumcision. They were separated by a physical difference. And not just any physical difference. I like how, it, how this verse puts it. It's a physical difference which is made in the flesh by hands. It's a physical difference that, like, man did. So it's made in the, in, in the flesh by hands. Um, we, may, we would never do something like that, right? We would never look down on another group because of something that is done by another human, by human hands. But wait, isn't that exactly what we do when we look at that person maybe with tattoos or with piercings? and say, oh, they could never be a believer. We're looking at somebody with difference made in the flesh by hands, and we're making a decision about them. Now, we often try to justify ourselves, and we say, but, but that's a choice that they've made. You know, that, that's something that, that they let somebody do or they did themselves to them. That's a choice they made. We would never... We would never discriminate somebody by a choice that they didn't make, right? Um, we would never discriminate against somebody because of the pigment of their skin, would we? It's exactly what it is when we do with racism, isn't it? We look at somebody who has a physical difference, who by no choice of their own, and we put up a wall. And we say, I'm on this side of the wall, and you're on that side of the wall, and we're in different groups. We take a look at the color of their skin, and we immediately make a decision, do I like them? Do I agree with them or not? Now, there's other differences between the Jews and the Gentiles other than just the physical differences. Um, there's, there's spiritual differences. These are some major differences between the Jews and the Gentiles. There's spiritual differences. Um, one was the chosen people. And then most Gentiles, so if you're here today, I, I think probably most of us here today would be considered Gentiles. I don't think there's anybody here of Jewish lineage, Jewish heritage. Uh, so I believe we would all be Gentiles. Um, 
And there were some Gentiles that, that did not follow God, did not follow Christ, uh, but there were some that did. And that's really where the problem comes in here is the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. So like I said before, we're really good at dividing people into groups. And just like the people that Paul's talking about here, we're good at finding a reason not to like the other group. Jews and Gentiles weren't any different. They were good at finding reasons to not like each other. But as I said before, not all Gentiles did not believe in God. Not all Gentiles were not followers. Uh, many wanted to worship God. Um, but the Jews, the Jews were the chosen people, and they, they really, again, speaking in generalities, but they really didn't, they didn't want the Gentiles there to worship God. They didn't feel like they were worthy of it. And, and I think I can show you in picture form, if you're a visual learner, this might help you out. I'll show you in a picture form exactly kind of the layout of the temple and how the Jews made it more difficult on the Gentiles. So, so this is what the temple would have looked like. You can put that up there if you can see that. Kind of a, a diagram of the temple, but what you cannot see here is the elevation difference. And I think that's really important. So, so what we're gonna, I think you can see around enough. So you'll notice up here, it says the court of the Gentiles. And that would go all the way around. Across the bottom, all the way around, that's the court of the Gentiles. That's for you and me. That's where we could go to worship, okay? Inside that, you'll see, is the sacred enclosure, kind of right in between, all, again, all the way around, but it's between the court of the Gentiles and then the rest of the temple. That's the sacred, they call it the sacred enclosure. Interesting thing about that is that was three feet above the court of the Gentiles, so kind of get the elevation, you gotta figure three feet above where you and I could be. And the other interesting thing was all Gentiles were forbidden to enter this area by punishment of death. If you or I went into the sacred enclosure, we could be killed. Then you'll notice, moving in a little bit, you'll notice over here on this side, is the court of women, or, or sometimes called the treasury. This was three feet higher again than the sacred enclosure. This is where Jewish women could come to worship. If you, were, if you were a woman and you were Jewish, you were able to come into the court of women and you could worship there. Then you notice above this is the court of Israel. Right here on this half, Starting here and coming over around the outside is the court of Israel. This is where, if you were a Jewish man, you could come to worship. Now this, the court of Israel, was 10 feet higher than the court of women, or 16 feet higher than the court of Gentiles. Then as you continue to move in, you see you know, the, more of the, the holy place, the most holy place, again, higher up. Each one is higher up. So you can see the elevation there. But you know what's interesting? There's 16 feet of difference between the court of the Gentiles 
and the court of, let's say, the, the male Jews, where a, ma- a male Jew could be to worship God. I think that's a great picture of kind of how the average Jew looked at the Gentiles, right? So there was the elevation difference. There was also in proximity to the holy place, the most holy place. This was where God was, where they worshiped him. So, of course, you got higher and you got closer to that. I think that's a great picture of of how they felt about the Gentiles. You know, the Jews believed that they were physically and really spiritually, they were elevated. They were higher than the Gentiles. They were above the Gentiles. And so, again, they separated them off into a group and they put up a wall and they said, you know, we can worship right and you don't really know what you're doing. Once again, we see another person or group as inferior because of a differentiation that we've made. The good news is all this changes. This is where where everything changes for the Jews and the Gentiles, and hopefully it should for you and I as well. We see in the following verses, Christ takes these two groups and he melds them together into one group. Continuing on in verse 13. Says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, it was it's interesting, far off. Not only were they far off um, spiritually, but they were far off physically, right? In, in that picture of the temple, they were far off from, from the center, from where the Holy of Holies was. They were far off. Not only that, Paul's talking to the people in Ephesus, you know. A, a, a good Jew, a true Jew, would go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. These are the Gentiles that are in Ephesus. So they are far off, physically and spiritually, away from God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broke down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace, and he might reconcile himself, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached to you who were far off and to those who were near, for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. Here's an interesting thing in this passage. Um, in verse 15, if you can put that back up there, in verse 15, he talks about that he might create in himself one new man. Interesting thing about that. And that Greek word for that, that Greek word for new man, it's, not, it's, it's a different meaning. It's not just like something that's not old. Or not like a new replacement, like, you know, okay, my phone died, so I need to get a new phone. It's not like a replacement. It means something new in kind. It is the first of its kind. There's never been a human like this. He didn't just take the Jews and make them like the Gentiles. He didn't take the Gentiles and make them like the Jews. He said, no, I'm going to make one new kind, one new man in them. He made 
Christians. Now, that term's not going to be used for many years after this, but, but basically that's what he was pointing to. It wasn't Jew and Gentile, it was Christian. You see, he was able to unify two groups that vehemently opposed each other by giving them a common calling, a common destiny. Because of their relationship with him, they had a common destiny, and that's what made all the difference. We've seen this in other things. I came across this story, and I thought it was was really kind of interesting. I thought it, it painted this picture well. There was a time during the Civil War when the rival armies were camped on each side of the Potomac River. And they would have, they'd have skirmishes during the day, but then a lot of times in the evening, the army bands would play concerts to kind of encourage the troops and, and build up the troops. And often, it would be music that would, would strengthen their men and encourage the men on their side. So they would play, you know, songs that, that were... That, that they just loved, and so they would strengthen their guys. The interesting thing was just being on the other side of the river, there were nights that you could actually hear the rival band through the cool evening air, and the sound would carry. So on this particular night, one of the, the Union Army, Union Band, played one of its patriotic tunes, and then the Confederate musicians would quickly strike up a melody dear to any Southerner's heart. They'd often try to drown out each other by playing. Maybe it was the first battle of the bands. I don't know. Um, but, you know, they would, they'd try to outdo each other. And then this one night, one of the bands started to play Home Sweet Home. It was a, it was a song loved by both sides loved by men on both sides, and it reminded them of home and their longing to go back home. And it was interesting. The musical competition kind of ceased. And when they heard the other band playing this, the music from the rival army joined in and played the same song. Soon voices from both sides could be heard singing There's no place like home. That's the way it should be for believers. Well, we have differences, and let's not manufacture differences that aren't really there, right? There are some things that we we disagree on or some differences, um, but while we have those, may we not forget we're all longing for home, for the same home, for eternity with our Heavenly Father. So what do we do with this? What do we do with all this information? Well, it's interesting. The action steps for today's message actually come directly from the Scripture. Um, the first action step would be, would be to become that new person that's described. And, and we're going to look right at these verses. It'll tell us, starting in verse 19. So then... So then, so you've been brought together, right? So that's what this so then is. So you've been brought together. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what do we do? That first, the first thing we do is become that new creation. If you're here today and you're stuck in that, you know, where there would have been Jew and Gentile, but if you're here today and, and you're not a follower of Christ, then you're, you're not that new creation that he talks about, that new man that he talks about. We need to become that new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. So if we want to be that new creation, we need to be in Christ. How do you do that? How do you go about doing that? It's easy. It's recognizing who we are and who he is. We need to recognize that as a human, we are sinners. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We also have to recognize that what we deserve because of our sins. Because of our sins, we deserve eternal separation from God in hell. But thankfully, the story gets better. While that's who we were, Christ came and died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we need to recognize that. And we need to accept that payment on the cross for our sins. We need to confess with our mouth that we're a sinner. We need to accept that payment in our heart. And we need to make him Lord of our life. If you're here today and, and you've never done that, I'm going to say a quick prayer and I encourage you to just pray along with me. The, the words are not, it's not any magic words. The words aren't anything famous or magic, but it's your heart. It's where you are in your heart. So I ask everybody to bow your heads and, and pray with me. Father God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that because of my sin, I deserve death and hell. But I also know that you sent your son to come and to die on the cross for my sins. I accept that payment up for my sins. I accept that payment on the cross, and I give my life to you. I want to make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to know there are angels celebrating in heaven right now. And if they get to celebrate, we want to celebrate too. So do me a favor, if you did, take out your connection card we talked about earlier. You'll see on the back where it says, I want to become a Christian for the first time. Just check that box. I will be in touch with you. I would love to be able to talk with you and help you as you start your spiritual journey toward following Christ. So that's the first step. First step is to become that new creation. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, yeah, I've done that. I did that, you know. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was years ago. What about me? What do I do? 
We need to live the way that we are created to live. We are that new creation, so what are we that new creation for? Um, Backing up to last week, Pastor Jeremy talked about Ephesians 2.10, just before this passage. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what are those good works? What are those good things? What does that look like? Well, I think some practical ways might be that we live this out. Maybe it's doing the work of showing grace to others. Maybe it's doing the work of of showing grace to people that don't look like you, don't act like you. Maybe have some different ideas on things than you. Showing them grace. It's maybe it's choosing peace and choosing unity. It's choosing to accept the fact that maybe we don't always agree on this. It's choosing unity when we when when we look different on people that are in different places in their spiritual journey. I don't know about you, but some of the things that I see in a new believer that frustrate me the most, when I see a new believer and they're, and they're sinning or they're doing something wrong, some of the things that frustrate me the most are some of those same things, those same sins that I struggled with in my spiritual journey. Sometimes those are the things that, that we see the most. The fact is, as followers of Christ, if we are all followers of Christ, then he is our cornerstone. As mentioned in verse 20, he is is the cornerstone of our building. Now, that doesn't mean all of our buildings have the same number of floors. And none of our buildings are going to be completed here on earth. They're in various forms of, of, of being built. But the key is Christ is still the cornerstone. We have the same cornerstone in Christ and we need to live in unity together. As I said earlier, we seem to really like groups. We like to divide people into different groups. And yeah, we can laugh about some of them, but sometimes they're a little bit more challenging. In Christ... We are one. We are one group. How amazing to think you who, who you and I who once were in the outer court, who, who were kept on the outside, we have been invited not just in to worship to God together, but, but today we're going to celebrate communion. You and I who are on the outside, God has said, come. Come join me at the table. How crazy is that to think that God has brought us together? Those people who weren't worthy now come and celebrate communion together.